If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. All right, so in this episode of Mind Pump, we talk about developing your chest muscles, your pecs. Ooh, chesties. Now, we start out by talking about the function of the pec. Like, what does the pec actually do in your body? Where does it attach? What are the two attachments? Why is it important to know that? We talk about the aesthetics of the chest. Um, what makes your chest look good, whether you're a man or a woman. Then we give you a workout. So we talk about what you need to do to prime your body for your chest. And then we actually give you a specific workout. So in this episode, when you're done with this episode, you are going to have an awesome chest workout. So we know you're going to love this episode. Also, before it starts, I want to remind everybody that MAPS Starter is 50% off. Now, MAPS Starter is a phenomenal program for those of you who want to get started with resistance training. So if you're not doing resistance training now, if you haven't for a long time or you never have, and you're confused as to how to get started, where you should go, Map Starter is perfect. It'll give you all the benefits of resistance training. More muscle, faster fat loss, faster metabolism, of course, the ability to sculpt and shape your body like resistance training only can do. This is a perfect program for you. Also, if you're super advanced and you're like, hey, I don't need a, a, a starter program because I've been working out for a while, get this program for a friend or family member that wants to get started. The best part about this program, you don't need a lot of equipment. All you need is a physio ball and dumbbells, and you can do this entire workout. So again, this program is 50% off. Here's how you get the discount. Go to mapsstarter.com. That's M-A-P-S-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com and use the code STARTER50, S-T-A-R-T-E-R-5-0, no space for the discount. So we've been making our way uh, through all the major muscle groups, and I know we've been We've we've written quite a few guides. Actually, we haven't. Sal wrote a, uh, quite a few guides. We're the um, collective we. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you have like a. It's everybody. Friend yeah. in your pocket. It's everybody. It yeah. yeah. It, like, the, you know the last episode we did on shoulders uh, did ex exceptionally well. A lot of people shared it. A lot of people enjoyed. Uh, you know or, or appreciated that we broke down the shoulder, the shoulder joint, what the best exercises were. So we're gonna go through the body. Yeah. And kind of do that. And the next body part that we're gonna focus on today is the chest. And I think we're going to do something a little special on this one too. I think we're going to provide a, a favorite workout of each of us, right? Oh yeah, you should, you'll leave this episode with a workout, a good workout um, for your chest. Um, and our, all of our programs include chest in, their, in, the, in the programming. And we do have you know, uh, individual body part guides and, and workouts and programs that are coming out. But this episode alone will provide you with quite a bit of information. Um, I think we should start with talking about the the function of the pec and the insertion and origin or the attachments of the pecs. And I know people listening right now, if you're not a personal trainer, you're like, eh, skip this part. I don't Why care about that. What are you even talking about? This is important to, stuff to know because if you know the two attachments of a muscle or all the attachments of a muscle, you understand and you understand when a muscle contracts, it brings those attachments closer together. Yeah. You get a really good idea of the actual function of the, of the, of the muscle and then when you do an exercise, visualizing that function makes a big difference. It really does. Oh, you yeah. feel 
And then you could see like whether or not that exercise is valid or not. A lot of times, you know, like you'll see some, you know, new concept out there and it's focused on chest, but you know, you, you know, right away based off of how the chest functions, like where that doesn't have a whole lot of value. And so like I go through that and see a lot of Instagram videos and things people are promoting and uh, yeah, come back to see like, you know, the real meat and potatoes are always the same. Well, the, the chest is fun to talk about because it's, it's different than a lot of, uh, other muscles on your body like with the the way the anchor points are and the way that you can target uh, parts of the chest which you can't do that for a lot of muscles on your body there's not a lot of muscles on your body that you can change the angle or change the exercise and now you can really change the shape yeah, yeah. right change the shape there is the an upper and lower yeah because a lot of the shape of certain muscles is dictated i mean as a muscle grows it obviously changes shape but a lot of that shape is dictated by genetics but when it comes to the chest you can actually you have more control over the shape of the chest that you develop than you do with a lot of other muscles and that's because of like adam said some of the anchor points now first off let's talk about the the function of the pec. Now, the, the technical term for the function of the pec would be horizontal adduction of the humerus. So that sounds kind of complicated. Basically, what it means is it takes your upper arm and it brings it from the outside of your body closer to the, yeah, in, close to the inside, midline of your body. Midline of your body on a horizontal plane. So it's not going up or down. It's bringing the arm across your body. Um, and so that's what's happening when you're doing like a bench press or a fly or a pec deck. You're taking your upper arm and you're bringing it from the outsides of your body across towards the midline of your body. There's another part of the, the chest function that's interesting. And I remember when I first learned this, I laughed because uh, there's, some, there's a lot of myths when it comes to training body parts. And this one kind of highlighted some of the myths that I had learned in my early years as somebody interested in working out. The pec, because of the way it attaches on the humerus, it actually medially rotates the arm. Now, what does that mean? That means if you take your palm, your hand, and your palm is up, and you rotate so that your palm is down, or your arm, the upper arm, rotates in that direction, that's what the chest does. It doesn't do the opposite. It doesn't rotate it so that the palm is up. And I remember the extra, remember the old school exercises where they have you well, do that Well, that's the, you rotate so your pinkies come together? Together, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the irony of what you're bringing up because for years, uh, well before getting into personal training and watching uh, the buff guys lift dumbbells in the gym, uh, especially on a dumbbell bench presses, they would bench and then they would- Rotate. Yeah, they'd actually supinate, so they rotate with the pinkies- together and then they clink the dumbbells together like that was just like a common thing that and they'd was be like it gives you a better squeeze right on the chest and what what the squeeze that they feel and if someone's ever done that they're like hey i've done that and i feel the squeeze the squeeze that you feel is actually your arms squeezing your boobs or your chest together <laughs> yeah. it's not actually the muscle contracting more but the opposite rotating the opposite direction of what we've seen traditionally and internally rotating or uh, pronating, so that you're you're turning the so that the thumbs touch each other at the right, top. Right, that gives you a better, more full pet contraction. Now, the other thing too is I think when people rotate so that the pinkies face each other, which is wrong, and they say, "Oh, but I feel more of a burn." There's a partial occlusion going on, I think, because you're squeezing the the upper arm <laughs> against the pec. You kind of block Cutting it off from circulation a yeah, little bit, and so you feel more of a burn. That's funny. Yeah. So um, no, if you're going to rotate at all with your chest exercises, if you're going to rotate the arm at all, it's rotating medially where the thumbs face each other, 
not the other way around. So it's, it's an important thing to know. And I believe we did a YouTube video of this. I think I talked about it in a, an old YouTube video, I think. Yeah, I think we did. I, I, in fact, I remember that. Now, the, the insertion and origin, let's talk about that for a second because the, and that refers to the two attachment points of the chest or the two major attachment points. One side in the upper arm. So we've talked about that uh, already. The other side, here's what's interesting about the pec. It's this muscle that attaches at the arm and then it fans out over mm -hmm. the front of the rib cage and it attaches all along the, the sternum, the middle part of your rib cage, and then all the way up, even attaching at your a little bit at your clavicle, which is your your uh, what's this bone this bone called? Um, not your clavicle, but your it is a clavicle. Your chromium. No, 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 no. Your uh, collarbone. Color Sorry, I'm trying to use layman's terms. Mm. And it does attach uh, at the at the collarbone. So because it has all these attachments in the middle of your chest, now and, and remember the pec when it contracts, it brings both ends together, like any muscle, it brings two ends together. Because there's so many attachments along the middle of the chest, that means I can work more upper chest, more middle chest, and more lower chest. This is where you can really change the shape of your chest. Different than other muscles like the biceps. You know, the biceps, the, the two points are so close to each other in terms of, I mean, there's two parts of the bicep, but they're, they're so close to each other that it doesn't make a difference. You're not going to work the inside of your bicep more than the outside of your bicep. But with the pec, you will develop more upper, middle, or lower depending on the exercises uh, the that angle. you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, the chest is involved in pushing, throwing, it also helps stabilize the shoulder joint. So anytime you, you do anything in front of your body, push something away, throw something overhead, bring your arm across your body, uh, just maintaining good shoulder strength, the pec is involved in that. And it's a rather large muscle. I would say it's probably one of the larger muscles of the body, definitely of the upper body. I, I can't think of another muscle that's bigger except for the lats uh, than the pecs in terms of just sheer size. Um, now, it's a popular muscle to work and there's a reason for that. Um, it's it's considered a very aesthetic muscle. This is like a centerpiece of your body. When uh, in bodybuilding and physique competition, the pecs are, are – I mean, if you don't have well-developed pecs, you're probably not going to do very well um, in the competition. It's also a favorite one for people to work, especially men. And I think oh, it's because yeah. they identify like, oh. National chest day, Mondays. <laughs> yeah, Monday. <laughs> Everybody's time. working out pecs. Because it, it 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 really is an important part of having a nice, uh, presentable physique. But let's talk about women for a second, because I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, nice, well-developed pecs, that's important for men. But for women, it's not that important because they have breasts, so it covers their pecs anyway. Why would they want to work their chest? Have you guys ever had women say, I don't want to work my chest out? No, yeah, you have it yeah, all. Totally. It, it's actually very common, and be, back to your point of, you know, that we can target parts of the chest, uh, and that's unique in comparison to many other muscles on your body. And if you can target the upper chest, you will get that kind of lift uh, for a, a female. So one of my favorite things to, to teach uh, my female clients that think, oh, because I have breast implants or I already have big boobs, like I don't need to do chest at all, I would always incorporate uh, incline chest for sure in there because it's only going to make their 
their breasts sit more upright. And I think most everybody that has breasts would say that they prefer that their boobs sit more upright than sag. And that's something that you can actually help support by training incline. Yes, the muscles underneath your 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 breasts, if those develop, they do cause lift. And it's funny, I would have female clients who tell me, I don't want to work chest. First off, this is a big myth. They say, I don't want to work chest because I don't want to lose fat from my boobs. Okay. That's actually a myth. That's false. You can't spot reduce uh, body fat on your body. In other words, if I work out my left calf, yeah. it's not going to make my left calf leaner. I'm going to develop muscle there, but the body fat around my calf doesn't burn any differently or faster than any other part of my body. You, the way your body burns body fat is systemically. It actually systemically burns the body fat, mobilizes it, and uses it for for energy. So you don't burn body fat from the areas that are closest to the areas that you're working. That's called spot reduction. It's totally false. It's been proven time and time again. So no, working out your chest will not give you smaller boobs. If you get leaner overall, you may get smaller boobs, Yeah. but training your chest won't do that. But what it will do, besides making you stronger, giving you better shoulder stability, is it will lift what breast you do have. So chest and the muscles of the pecs, men have, have pretty much always, as long as I can remember, have valued pecs for aesthetics and have considered them important. But I think more and more women now are realizing the pecs for their own uh, aesthetics because of that one fact right there. It does cause lift. And here's the other thing too, not having any pec muscles, and if you wear like a, like a, a shirt with like a bit of a plunging neckline and you see those upper rib cage ribs, Having some muscle there will just it just looks better. You look healthier. So not having any any part of your body that's not developed tends to take away from your aesthetics. Of course, there's things like overdevelopment, but definitely don't skip chest training. It's an important muscle for function, but also for aesthetics. Now, what are your guys' theories on how much that you can train the chest in comparison to a lot of other muscles? Do you think that because we do so many things in front of us and it gets incorporated in every everyday movements that it can handle uh, a, a, a much larger load as far as volume and frequency? I think it's hmm. similar to other body parts. Um, I think sometimes people skip chest because they think it's going to give them worse posture. Um, but if you train properly with a full extension and contraction, I think it'll, it'll improve the pliability and the, 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 the range of motion of the chest because short muscles aren't necessarily strong. A lot of times they're just tight. You know what I'm saying? Because I, this, and this is just per, my personal experience is I feel like I've been able to, um, train my chest more frequently and with more volume than many of my other muscles on my body. Have you? Is that just because it's been a priority though too, or like something like you've enjoyed more? So like repeats? Yeah. For me, it was a, it was a major priority because I had like no chest. I think I talked on a recent episode too, that I, you know, one side was developed more even when I started like lifting and I started training bench press and, and I was trying to develop my chest, I was starting to get like this major imbalance where one side was developed more than the other. Uh, I also didn't have the connection in between. Like I remember as mm. kids, my buddies. Oh, right. The where, where there was a space in between. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, my buddies, they would squeeze like pencils or like, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't, my chest. You couldn't make them bounce yet. No, I couldn't do that. Mm. I couldn't do a lot of things. Uh, and so that was a, a, a major insecurity of mine and a, and, a, and a major focus for a very long time. 
And I was able to uh, fix all of that and get to a point where I actually could build my chest to where it was completely I – could, I could bring it together. Because you had built enough mass. Yeah. And yeah. it's important, though, that we, we clarify. You can, you can develop from top to bottom. You can focus on different parts of your chest. But from left to right, you can't. In other words, you can't focus more on the inner chest – or the outer chest, right? And because when I, of the way the muscle fibers work, and what I would teach people that so so then how did I close that center gap, right? So you can build your chest to be big enough that it'll start to to close that gap, but mm-hmm. you can't do exercises that are because a lot of people think uh, the common myth would be like, oh, I want to work the center of my chest, so they do like exercises that stretch because they can feel the stretch there by like doing fly like flies are going to build that better than. An incline press? No, that's not true at all. In mm-hmm. fact, I can load an incline press. I can load a barbell press with a lot more weight than I can do flies, which in turn will put more mass on my chest, which in turn will give that illusion that my chest is closing together. But really all it is is it's getting just larger. That's so funny yeah. that you said that because the uh, what Arnold used to say and what the bodybuilders back then used to say was that uh, squeezing the chest like a, like a cable crossover – where you focus on the squeeze works the inner chest, and a stretch works the outer chest. They oh, actually yeah. said the opposite. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not, it's not true. None yeah, of them yeah, are true. Yeah, both of them are. My point is that both of them are false. Yeah. Whichever camp you come from, and nothing is going to, you know, make the center of your chest uh, close the gap in the center of your chest more than building the entire overall. chest, the overall chest. And so, doing exercises like fly, and flies are incredible movements that belong in every chest workout. But I wouldn't say that uh, chest flies were the things that put the most mass mm-hmm. on my on my chest, which in, in turn ended up. And th- that same thing even goes for even though I know we can we can go up up or lower, but even the biggest difference in making the the hang or making my you know everybody talks about wanting the the lip you know or the hang of your chest so it looks bigger and fuller. Yeah, doing dips and doing some stuff like that helped, but still nothing helped more than building. The chest itself and, and getting it more developed, Just a larger signal. That yeah, because yeah. what I what I would see is, and this is, and why I'm 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 wanting to uh, cover this is because you get somebody who wants to work the the lower part of their chest, and we know things like you know decline flies, or we know that doing dips. These are areas. These are ways we could target that. Well, problem is that's a great way to target that, but it isn't necessarily the best way to build size on your chest. So what I would see is I'd see some kid doing decline bench. Then I see him doing decline cable flies. And then I see him doing some, you know, ISO, one of the machine hammer strength machines that's decline. And that's kind of his routine. And it's like, man, you're missing out on uh, incline barbell press, incline dumbbell press, flat dumbbell press, flat, uh, flat uh, barbell press, which to my opinion are four, you know, you know, uh, movements for the chest that are going to build more mass on your chest than any of those other movements. That's a good point. Like, uh, unless you have a lot of muscle already developed, sacrificing overall development to target a particular part of the muscle usually results in a, in a loss, right? So like- It reminds <clears throat> me, think of it, it's the same thing as uh, the girls doing the kickbacks for their butt. Yeah, It's like, the, the, what's going to make your butt bigger and look better 
is squatting and deadlifting, the big gross motor movements you can move the most More force load. output. Right. Which it, is required for like, a, you know, like some of these other movements, like a squat is going to do so much more than you know, your kickbacks or any of these like banded exercises just because you, the demand isn't as high. And the chest is no different. And we this is the mistake that you see a lot. And this is, goes, you know, you see the Svin press, which, yeah. you know, somebody's trying to work the center of their chest and they're, they're over here doing this Svin press. With a with a ten pound plate, they're squeezing together. It's like, man, what you're getting out of that? If that is replacing a barbell fucking press or a dumbbell type of a press, you're missing out on what you're trying to accomplish. Yes, you're trying to work the inner part of your chest, but nothing's going to work the inner part of your chest more or give that illusion that you've worked the inner part of the chest than building more mass and more size on your chest. Yes, and, and another point is because these. A lot of the a lot of these uh, best movements are presses, incline, barbell, flat barbell, or dumbbell, because they're presses and they're using a lot of muscles. They're also using the shoulders, the triceps. They're stabilize. You're, you're stabilizing with your back, <clears throat> your lats. There is a way to press more weight that is not necessarily the best way to press to develop better pecs. Oh, good point right here. Um, and this is important to know because the best pen- bench pressers in the world. Are power lifters. Uh, they bench press better than anybody in the world. That's what they do. It's their job. But they've developed a technique and skill to bench pressing that maximizes their ability to move the most amount of weight right. quickly. But they have not, uh, they don't bench press in a way to develop a more well rounded chest. Um, so you want to consider that if you're learning how to bench press from a power lifter, which is a great thing you should learn. I think this is an important way to learn because power lifters also bench in an efficient way. They bench in a safe way. Of course, if you're not using more weight than you, than you, than you should, it's a safe way of benching your shoulders pinned back, the nice high on the arch on the back, the, you know, elbows slightly tucked. It's a very good <clears throat> general way to bench press and maximize the force, but it's not going to develop your pecs as well as, understanding the function of the chest and focusing on that what's called horizontal adduction as you're pressing where the where the elbows are coming together and you're slowing down and you're focusing when you lower the, when you lower the weight as a as a power lifter you're keeping the strong arch arch in your bench your 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 back excuse me you're tightening your scapula you're tucking your elbows a little bit and you're slowly lowering the weight what a, if you want to develop your chest, what you're doing is you're focusing on the, the negative portion of what the chest is doing, where the elbows are coming out. So it's a little bit different to develop different parts of your body and to, to, to strengthen different parts of the lift. So this is important to know. Uh, you know, For me, I, I got really good at bench pressing. It didn't build my chest because I was bench pressing like a power lifter to well, move maximum the, weight. The, you just, the closer the elbows get to your side, okay, the more tricep is involved and the more you flare out, the more shoulder and chest is involved. This is that this is where the camps were, where it was, you know, a bodybuilder bench press versus a powerlifter bench press. And mm-hmm. the bodybuilder used to teach actually cue flared elbows, which I don't like to cue I don't like to cue as a coach because I think that the risk of injury mm-hmm. for the shoulder. But the truth is that if you can if you can flare the elbows out more and not bother your shoulders and it's comfortable for you to do that, you're incorporating more chest. The more you, it's flared, the more chest, the more the elbows are tucked by your side, the more triceps are getting Yeah, involved. and, and, and you, you have to check your ego because a bench press like that done bodybuilder style, you're not going to lift as much yeah. weight. Or if you try to lift a lot of weight doing that, that's where the injury comes in. Right. You're going to lower the weight considerably. And and have that kind of form to you know to really work the pecs more than anything else. 
So now a strong back is really important for well-developed pecs. This is important. I think well, Adam, you talked about this mm-hmm. when, when this you- is this is like this is everything to me. Um, I've talked on the show before. Uh, we've made fun of how I used to bench press as a kid, where I had you know one friend would be pending my shoulders down, and then the other two friends would be spotting the the, the barbells. I press it, and there'd be like a total of ten pounds on the bar when I was lifting. It was awful. It was a terrible sight to see, and. At that point, I I just did I didn't understand anatomy, physiology, physics, anything. I mean, I'm just, I was a young kid trying to learn how to lift. I think I'm 16 in the, my buddy's garage, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, other than what I look at the magazines and what I read, and they don't really teach you much there. So for the forever, you know, or it felt like forever for years, I bench pressed, and my shoulders and my triceps just took over the load. Like I just couldn't. I didn't understand how important it was that I my shoulder stayed in a retracted position. It's just very natural for us to roll everything forward. We do mm-hmm. everything in front of us all the time. So already naturally, most people have the what we call upper cross syndrome, where they have the, the rounded shoulders and the forward head, so you're already protracted forward, which means when you go to do a movement in front of you, and if the shoulders are rolled forward, then the anterior delt and the tricep take over most of the load. So as a kid, I don't know any better. I don't understand posture. So I lay down on the bench. I grab a bar and I see my friends just press it and I just press it and I try and get it up off as much as I can. So for me, I get under there already with this kind of rounded shoulder position and I get the bar off and I start pressing it. And so my shoulders and my triceps are just taking the entire load. It wasn't later on until I became a personal trainer and I understand I began to learn kinesiology and I started to understand the importance of in a bench press being able to keep the shoulders in a retract and depressed position while you press. That's very unnatural for most people. Very few people get that concept. In fact, when I think about training clients for many years, Boy, that was a that was a common thing. A person, client would do a, an exercise, then I'd have to sit them back up. I'd pull their shoulder blades, be like, "You got to keep it here," mm-hmm. and then I'd have to take I'd take their shoulders and hold it back, and then and with no weight, just their arms sitting up, and get them to show them, "Can you move your arms in front of your body without letting the shoulders yeah. collapse mm-hmm. and roll forward?" That's well, very difficult thing, for people to do. Yeah, another thing with that because they were trying to teach uh, you to keep everything super flat. So I know like for for the longest time, people would even pull their feet up onto the bench because they wanted to make sure the spine was like super flat in that process. And you're able to get that, you know, connection with your core. So your core was still bracing. But now look at your position. Look what your shoulder's natural tendency is to do is to kind of curl forward. And so now I'm I'm in a disadvantageous position to where all the stress is going to my shoulder and my triceps and everything else are, are compensating for that. This so. was me for years, for years. And even when I started to learn, it, like, oh, I need to be kind of back more, it didn't matter because I was an athlete that was left-handed so all, all my sports, I, I throw, hit, do everything left that I already had, like I was a little bit more dominant on that side. So I kind of had more of a rounded shoulder on that side. So even as I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Chest is up, shoulders back while I press. I My right side is retracting and in the proper position. My left side is not. So then what's, uh, you know, weird is, and that's why it couldn't, didn't make sense to me is I'd look at my chest and I'd be like, this is so weird. I'm left-handed. So that should be my stronger side, but my weaker side is more developed than my 
than my more dominant side. This didn't make sense to me. Even at, now, this is me becoming a trainer and like starting mm -hmm. to address this. It like it it baffled me for a long time before I started to piece it together what was going on. I was like, oh, what's happening is I'm trying to retract. I'm so dominantly rolled forward on the 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 left side because I am an athlete and I play with this. So that side is collapsing in. So when I go to bench press, the shoulder and the tricep on that side is taking a little bit more of the load. The right side, because I it's it's weaker, it was easier for me to teach myself to hold back that side. That side's actually working the chest more. Like mm -hmm. this just it completely blew my mind when I finally learned how to address it. And then work on that. And that's when I started to see my chest strength. And it was a little while. Like, it wasn't like all of a sudden that someone showed me, I figured it out, and it was like, oh, now I'm off to the races and bench pressing and I'm like super strong. I mean, I was the kid that couldn't hardly bench press. I remember the days still, I was tw over 20 before I could even put the wheels, the big wheels on the barbell. Mm. Like that was a big moment for me as a kid. Like, oh my God, I could put the, you know what I'm saying? Because you're a, you're a, when you're a teenage boy and you're lifting in the gym, it's a little embarrassing to not use the the 45 plates. You know, when that's what we warm up with today. Now right? they have bumper plates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they can't tell. You put tens on each side. But that, so this was a this was a major insecurity for me as a young boy who was trying to lift and and being so weak in that area. And then it's crazy how. Once I, I really started to develop my back, understand how to retract and depress, I learned how to keep it in that position, man, and I had to lighten the load instead of always going for maxing out with my buddies as a kid. You know, I had to lighten the load and it was more about, can I take this exercise through its full range of motion while still maintaining those shoulders back? Because I tell you what, which is why too, I don't know if you guys ever taught this, as a trainer for many years, I actually would not teach my clients all the way full range of motion on a chest press because the last reach with it. Yes, yeah. the last two to three inches they would reach and then protract forward again and they would lose that retraction that I would want. Mm -hmm. So I actually would short I used to teach a shortened range of motion at the beginning to get them to really put the emphasis on retracting the shoulders. That was so important that I taught that first. And then I could say, okay, now we can go full range of motion. It's, it's because your body doesn't understand, your brain doesn't understand, uh, you know, feel the muscle. It just knows, push this weight off my body yeah. and reach. And reaching includes spreading the scapula and rounding forward. So it is a little bit unnatural at first. But one way to fix this is to try priming before you do your presses. Yeah. And so an easy, a very easy way to prime, uh, to, to get yourself in this position, would be to do like a cable row. Yeah, cable row is great. A really, really light cable row. You can use a band and focus on squeezing the shoulders back. Get connected to that pinched back position. Once you get that feel, get in the bench press or whatever press you're doing, maintain that position, and then do your press, and you'll get a full yeah. range of motion. You know, it's funny about that. Uh, I remember like learning the bench press and just intuitively, my friends used to make fun of me for this because before I would go to lift the weight, I would do this like really like almost like a plyometric row with with just the air, and I would just like try and open myself up, uh, you know, right before the lift. And so that became like almost like a meme, you know, back in the day where they would make fun of me for that. But it would really set my shoulders back in a good position and get me ready to uh, be able to stabilize. You know, I didn't know we were going to go here in this conversation, but I, to the back to the point that I was talking about, it's so funny to me that uh, I'm like, I'm envisioning myself right now trying to teach this on YouTube and how destroyed I would get. Like if I was showed people 
like how I taught a bench press to or a dumbbell press to a you know brand new 45-year-old client who's never really lifted weights before. I used to teach this really kind of shortened range of motion to get them to understand because retracting and depressing was so important to learning how to bench press correctly. I would teach this shortened range of motion until they got that under control really well before I progressed them. It reminds me of the split stance bicep curl and only coming up and and Mm -hmm. keeping the shoulders retracted. I taught that first. And it makes me want to do a YouTube video because of that, because I think there's a lot of value for a beginner who's never really lifted or struggles with feeling it in their chest with understanding the how important it is that you stay retracted and depressed in that movement and understanding that how how hard that is. Yeah. It's very unnatural. Just to keep them anchored. It's, 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 it's very also, unnatural. It's also safer. Like if you're if you're pressing yes. heavy and you're allowing your shoulders to roll forward, it's a matter of time before something happens, especially if you're using a lot of weight. So that's a very important component. I'm glad we went here because that piece right there, when you're doing your chest exercises, pretty much most, if not all, chest exercises will involve that anchor and stabilization. Like anchor, stabilize the scapula, the shoulder blades. Now work the chest. Uh, if you don't do that, um, then you can run into a lot of problems. This is also why most people feel chest flies so well well when you open up and you fly open like this it like naturally retracts and pulls you back so it's almost hard not to feel it in the chest Mm -hmm. that's why the chest fly is such a popular movement that people are like well i feel it in my chest when we do the chest flies well it's yeah because the the cables or the dumbbells rip you open for you yeah they they the gravity pulls down or the cable whatever you're using opens you up and retracts the shoulders it actually puts you in that in that position Mm -hmm. you need to be in so it's almost impossible not to feel the chest in those first six inches of contraction, right? That's right. Where in a barbell press or a dumbbell press, you could very easily bring the the dumbbell or the barbells down, barbell down, and the shoulder and tricep and and, and everything else take over the load and not feel hardly anything in your chest. Right, which right. when I go back and I think of all the clients that I've trained, you know, chest is a one of the more difficult muscles to get people to fire correctly, which makes it that much more difficult to develop correctly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Feeling the chest work when you're doing a press is a bit of a skill, isn't it? It takes Mm -hmm. a little bit of practice. It's the only one that I... So before we wrote MAPS Prime, uh, it was the only one that I was already priming for for a long time. Like Once I learned that I had to retract and depress my shoulders, this is also why So my buddy... Paul and I, we used to lift, uh, and he was the first person that I ever lifted with that loved to do chest and back together. That was those were like he always paired chest and back in his splits. And at this point in my career, I really had never trained chest and back together. I like to, I like to separate my big muscle groups by themselves so I could get after them because I was back in the days when I was in the the theory of destroy every workout and trying to destroy your back and chest in the same workout as could be taxing. But I remember this is when this all clicked for me is we'd start with our back workout typically, and then we would move to chest. And man, I was I just felt right away, as soon as I got under the chest exercises, I just felt it in my chest right away. It felt great. I felt engaged. I felt strong. And I thought that was surprising after I just 
did all these back exercises, but what I what clicked, I finally realized, well, that's what it is. I I woke up all those muscles mm-hmm. in my back. I'm in a really good retracted position already because it's all been stimulated and woke up. Now when I get under the barbell press, I'm already in the position I need to be in to be in the most advantageous advantageous position to press up the most amount of weight. That's when it kind of like clicked for me that, okay, I've got to always print. So now I always either do like barbell rows with just the bar so I could get it warmed up or I do pull-aparts with the band or do rows like your seated row. Just to row. prime that area. Yeah, just prime to it up. prime that area really well and then get into your bench. And then someone's listening right now and you're not following one of our programs, you don't own prime, but you have a, je- a chest day coming up, I, I challenge you to go over and do some seated rows. And you don't do it. The idea is you don't do it really, really heavy. No, you're not working out your back. Yeah. Just go to focus on the shoulders, pinching back, squeeze. And then once you get that feeling, once you can feel what's going on, then go do your press. Yeah, do a lightweight, do a really lightweight that you can do 20 reps easily and do 15 to 20 reps with a squeeze, a pause. So retract, squeeze and down and hold that for two or three seconds, let it out. Do that for 15, 20 reps, maybe two sets of that. And then go over and do bench press and watch what a difference that you feel. Let's talk about the must-do chest exercises, like the best, most effective, bang-for-your-buck chest exercises. Um, Bench press has got to be... Yeah, barbell bench press. Yeah, barbell bench press done properly. I mean, it it focuses on the overall chest, but mainly works, I'd say, the mid to lower part of the chest uh, with good form. So you're you're still activating all the whole pec, um, but most of the development is going to go towards the mid, from the middle down to the bottom. Yeah, and this is just one of those you could load, you could apply the most load towards this exercise, and that's where we're going to get that big response. We're going to have to produce a lot of force to overcome, uh, you know, a substantial amount more load than say you're doing, you know, a fly or doing even just a, a dumbbell bench press, mm-hmm. for instance. Yeah, so you're talking about the barbell. The I, although barbell. I like the dumbbells too, right? I do oh, like them yeah. too. Yeah, they're they're another great, uh, you know, complement to that. Yeah, the thing I like about the barbell is you can use more load. What I like about the dumbbells is the greater range of motion. With the with the dumbbells, I can go down further than I can with the bar because the right. bar would obviously hit my chest and stop. And by the way, full range of motion is important for yes. all muscular, all muscle development, chest included. And the reason why I'm making this point is a lot of people, the bench press still to this day is considered one of those exercises that it's your, your ego tends to flare, especially if you're a guy. Like, how much can you bench? That was an extra, that was a the the question everybody used to ask when I first started working out, and so I think people like to shorten their reps on the bench press. Oh yeah, you know, two inches off the chest, three inches off the chest, so that they can lift more weight. That extra inch or two makes a big difference in development. So go all the way down, all the way up. Yeah, and, and I mean there are instances like uh, powerlifters will use like a block or something like that where they're just totally working different. on the lockout. Yeah. But yeah, so. But definitely the full range of motion, you're going to get all the, the the benefits of that, you know, if you if you go through that full range. Right. Well, you guys keep mentioning load, and I think it's this is something that we should uh, expand on a little bit because I, there's this idea of if I feel it in an exercise uh, more, that, that that exercise is better for me to do it. Yeah, not always. Yeah, and that's not, not always true. Um, in fact, it's mostly not true. 
uh, it's the movement that you could typically load more. So, and I, I think I was in the camp in the before of, oh, if I feel it really good, this is a this is a good exercise for me to do. So I want to do it all the time. That mind muscle connection. Oh, they'll talk about like uh, uh, tension in terms of like uh, you know having more tension throughout the entire range of motion. Right. Or I would make mistakes a lot and do things like the the cable fly or maybe a hammer strength machine that I felt really well. And so I would do these exercises first and I would end up fatiguing probably a lot of my chest. And then I would go over and do a barbell or a dumbbell press. And I think there's a lot of value in doing those barbell or dumbbell movements first because of the, the, the load purposes. And that's just it is that, I mean, figure out how much you can do a, a dumbbell fly with. I mean, most people are probably using between 20 to maybe 60 pound dumbbells. The most. Maybe that, yeah. right, at the most. You know, where that same person will probably be able to dumbbell press somewhere like 60 to 100 pound dumbbells. So the amount of load that you can that you can do on a press versus a fly, that ends up transferring over to more mass that you can put on the chest, which... You know, even though you may not be able to feel it as much as you can in an isolated exercise like a fly, you'll get more bang for your buck with those totally. movements. Totally. Now, the incline press has got to be second, uh, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, and that includes barbell and dumbbell. Because you're on the incline, you're working more of the upper chest. Now, why this is important is because I have seen uh, quite a few people with pec development where the chest is overdeveloped in the lower and like the bottom half of the chest, and it gives this kind of droopy look to the chest, whereas the incline press focused on the upper part, and when that's well-developed, it tends to give the pecs more of a nice, full, square look. And then for women, that's the upper chest is the part that really adds to the lift of the breast. So the incline press has got to be really important. And I, there's a I, lot of bodybuilders that only press in the incline. I was just going to say, I would fight for this to be number one and for a couple reasons. Uh, one, uh, I think that it's neglected. So that's what makes it number one, right? I think that if someone's listening right now and they work chest out, they're probably not, like the flat bench is probably not foreign to them. They, that's probably their go-to exercise or one of their go-to exercises. But there's a lot of people um, that avoid incline press because if you're an average gym goer and you see the flat bench that's for chest and you see the incline press that's for chest, and they're both for chest, and one of them you're way better at than the other, you tend to just naturally gravitate to totally. the one that you're way better at. This was 100% me for at least 10 years of my lifting. I rare, I intermittently would throw incline in every once in a while, but deep down inside, I hated doing it because I was the load. I could not do nowhere near what I could do on the flat bench. And the reason why, the other reason why I pick it as number one is because. It was of all the things I could think of that I pieced together, and there were there were several milestones in, in my chest journey of developing my chest. Nothing changed it aesthetically more than when I decided, and I remember I'll never forget. It was right before I started to compete. I was like, I'm going to train my incline press until I can catch my flat bench. And at that time, I think I was like at 185 on one and like 275. On the other was about to where I was at, and eventually I met them both at 315, and that was a huge deal for me. And when I when I was able to incline press 315, flat bench 315, I, my chest mm. was 
way, way, way bigger than it had ever been, looked better and more impressive. And I think I can't be alone on the on that that people. Well, I like it a lot just because like you don't have to be quite as intentional and conscious of retracting, depressing the shoulders. That's another reason why it's a top one for me. Yeah, I mean, it uses that 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 angle to really set you in a good position. Um, And yeah, so it is harder. I mean, it's very exposing if you're not um, you, you know used to that you know maintaining that position in that in the press. So. Um, I, I think it's great for for just even somebody that's not really good at being able to maintain that position to start there to get you know build and work up uh, you know all that strength in that in that direction. I later on in my career, I began teaching incline press first before ever teaching flat. Same for yeah. that exact reason, right there is I. It, it's so much easier to teach. It does, well, gravity, right? Mm-hmm. When you sit at a forty-five degree, a thirty to forty-five degree ban- bench, and you just let someone lie down there and let their arms flat by their side, gravity just naturally retracts the shoulders back and down. So you're already got gravity helping you get these people in the position that you want them to be in. It's much easier to coach them through that. So, but I didn't piece that together till later on. It was like later on in my career, I, yeah, I realized same. that, and then that became like, okay, I'll teach incline first. So yep. yeah, so I I said jump. I would go from incline to flat to decline because that's how it's set up in the gym. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys feel about the decline bench and the worth of that? I, I never saw a lot of value in the decline press. First off, I don't like the way that it's set up. You're you're kind of hanging upside down. And the way you're pressing, it's an awkward, difficult very strange. exercise to, to, to teach. It's also super prone to eagle lifting. Because you're at a decline, you can put a lot of weight on the bar. You can create a very short range of motion. Mm-hmm. It's a very. It's also more of a dangerous press to perform because of the angle of the bench. Right? How do you get out of and that? You, is yeah, kind of tricky. That's get, that's yeah. kind of tricky. Worthless exercise. I just didn't see. Yeah, a lot I don't of like worthless it. exercise. I, I haven't done it since. Hey, it's a worthless exercise, and I did it for a very long time. So yeah. I just want that. That's not me talking shit and offending somebody right now who's like in the gym lifting on their decline breasts right now. It's not that. It's I did it for years too. And we'll, again, I decline press way more than I incline press for the first ten years of my lifting career because of that reason right there. Because of the weight. Because I could put more weight on it. Yeah. But when you look at the range of motion that you go through, when you're on the decline, it's like hitting at the bottom of your chest or even the top of your rib cage. It's like your 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 elbows are barely even hitting it's ninety. Such a short range of motion. It's such a short range <laughs> no, of motion. Nobody's doing want- nobody's doing a decline press where they're bringing the bar all the way up down up to the upper chest, which is. If you do a decline press like that, it might be interesting. That'd be, be difficult, but it'd be interesting. Nobody does that. They go to the bottom part of the chest, right? Yeah. And it's the short ass range of motion. And, it, and and if you were to do it the way you're saying right now, it's just it's very compromising. Could it's be risk of injury. Yeah. So I, I, the way I look at it is, if whatever benefit you you're chasing after that that makes you gravitate towards the the decline bench, you'll get all of that and some doing dips. Oh, totally. Way more functional. Uh, dips. You could re- Let's talk about dips. you could really work on a really good. Uh, range of motion. It's great for the shoulders if done properly, right? Done properly, great for the shoulder joint. It's going to work the lower chest just like it would with the with uh, you know a decline press. It's safer if you fuck up, you're done, you're okay. You're not going to drop a barbell on your neck. Uh, it's easier to get into, and it requires a lot more stability mm-hmm. of the shoulder joint. So it's just much more functional. You get really good at dips. You're going to have much more 
real, lots of carryover. Yes, real-world carryover strength. And then the range of motion can get challenged phenomenally. And I love – I didn't start dipping a lot until I met Justin. Justin raved about him. Yep. So I started practicing him, and I, I, I love the fact that I got to the point where I could really sink – Real deep into the dip. And you, of course, do this with caution. Do it. Make sure you have good stability, good form. But, boy, that deep sinking into the dip, I could feel that all across my chest, my shoulders, and the, at the it's top of my chest. such a good stretch. And if you're going to talk about time under tension, and that's you know one of those things where the entire rep, I mean, you feel that contraction. You feel that all the, the stretch. You feel everything involved with that is very – you know, transferable towards the bench press. So would you guys say the, the fourth best chest exercise is a, uh, a you know, rotated in hammer strength side chest press? No, not at all. <laughs> no? no? Total waste. That wouldn't be four? No, I think flies has got to be. I've seen that a lot. Yeah, I think flies are People great. People still be doing it right now, bro. I've, it's still oh, happening in the gym right now. So dumb. If no, you're listening right now and your friend's over there doing that, knock it off. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I like flies. Go I think, slap them. I think the fourth exercise is flies. It's more of an isolation movement. And also... The muscles that support a fly are a little bit different. Like the muscles that support a press are your triceps and shoulders. Mm -hmm. With a fly, you're getting a little bit of bicep and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And there is something to be said about right. connecting different muscles to work together and the functionality mm -hmm. that they improve upon. Now, as a grappler, I loved flies because a lot of what I had to do was hug and grab people and, and, and grapple with them. And so that bicep chest connection was very important what well, I, I love the eccentric portion of that too that's that's my favorite because then you really do you feel that stretch like and you get it in bicep contraction I totally. just I think a pretty common rule when doing the chest should be you know one at least one press at least one fly yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yep. like, at least one of each should be, should be just like you, you would shoot the cat. When we do calves, it's like you should have one, one that's focused on the gastroc, one that's focused on the soleus. So one with a bent knee or mm -hmm. one standing, right? The combination of two of them, you should just always, every workout target both. I feel like the same thing goes with chest. Almost every chest exercise, I would argue, should have a fly, should have a press. Yeah. I, and, and if we want to get technical, and so I'm going to get a little technical, this is a little bit splitting hairs, but it's the application, you know, really improves, or I think there's more value the longer you work out. Okay. You have your mid range contraction movements, which are your big gross motor movements, like your bench press. When I'm doing a bench press, I'm not getting a stretch in my chest and I'm not really getting a full contraction, at least not with a barbell. I'm getting a lot of the weight on the mid range portion of where my pecs can contract. When I'm doing a fly with dumbbells, with free weights, most of the resistance is on the stretch. Right. That's just the way that gravity works. When I have the dumbbells together, because gravity's pushing down, there's not that much resistance. Right. There's no resistance pulling my dumbbells apart. When I bring them out, the further I bring them out, the more they're working directly with gravity, more of the resistance is on the stretch. And what we find with studies is the different how you apply the resistance in different positions of the contraction of the muscle fiber, that activates different muscle fibers, or or at least it, it develops a type of strength that is better right. suited for that movement. So with a bench press, I'm developing mid-range strength. With a fly, mm -hmm. I'm developing a lot of stretch out strength. In range. And then you want to get the squeeze strength, in which case a cable fly would be really good, or a pec deck, because now the resistance is really, really hard. It's emphasized more on that concentric. On the middle. Yeah. And so what I like to do, if you want a complete workout, in my opinion, and this is especially as you get more advanced, this maybe doesn't really apply too much to beginners or intermediate, but when you're advanced, it's a good idea to have that mid-range exercise, then have that exercise that, that puts the weight at the stretch, and then have that exercise that puts the weight 
on the squeeze, now you're kind of covering all of your bases. Well, and ideally, what, what how I would do it is how we're about to right now, because what we decided with chess, this would be a fun one that we we would each come up with a a day in the week. Like so, I mean, I would be hitting my chest two to three times a week. If you're trying to develop your chest. Uh, we frequency is king in everything that we talk about, and that's one of the things I think that most people neglect. So uh, minimum, I would be training my chest two to three days a week, and for sure, I would make sure that I'm incorporating what you just said right now, Sal. So make sure that those movements are at least in every single week that you're training. I think you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Totally. Now, you want to, uh, one word of caution, you want to train hard. You want to have intensity. Intensity is important. But I caution you against training to failure. Uh, I think it's okay every once in a while. But for the most part, what, what we're about to recommend, let's say I recommend you do 10 reps. You want to pick a weight that you could max out at 12. 12 reps and that's it. You can't do any more. That's the weight that you do 10 with. So you want to leave what we say two in the tank. You want to leave two reps in the tank. Stop about two reps short of failure. Um, in our experience, in my experience in particular, that produces the best results, especially when you're training a body part more than just once a week. In this case, we're going to advocate for what three days a week. And, and, and again, in my experience, it's even more important then. Definitely, right? Definitely. If you if you're training the chest only one time a week and you train to failure, uh, not not as much of a big deal. But if you're going to train the chest two or three times a week and you go to failure, the likelihood that you overreach. And then that soreness is going to carry over into the next workout and hinder that workout. Like now it's becoming counterproductive. So I know that we tend to chase, people tend to chase that sore feeling as, oh, that that's what dictates if it was a good workout. That's not true at all. And there's a much smarter approach to that. So I know that with the protocols, I think each of us picked like Sal picked a rep range of eight to 12. I picked a rep range of like your five. And then Justin picked a higher rep range of 12 to 15. So if you in a week incorporate all three of those and then keep in mind what Sal is saying that, okay, reduce. So, you know, two, two, uh, keep two in the tank on every exercise that you do, you should feel okay and uh, uh, fresh enough to be able to train mm-hmm. all three of these workouts. Yeah. Now, total volume for the week, uh, what is that, 15 plus nine? So you're doing a lot of sets throughout the whole week. So this is a relatively high volume, high frequency workout. Feel free to reduce the sets if you feel like it's too much. So feel free, if I say three sets and you do this workout and you're like, okay, this is a little too much. You can bring it down to one or two um, and, and and go from there. We always advocate doing the minimum amount of work for the maximum uh, benefit. So err on the side of caution. You could always add more, but once you overtrain, it's very difficult to back up, uh, to, to try to back off. So the workout that I think uh, that I'd like to advocate for um, would be to start with an incline barbell press. That's your mid-range exercise. Focus on good, slow, controlled form. I think you should have a three to four second negative. That means it should take three to four seconds to lower the bar. At the bottom, maintain tension. Reverse directions, it should take you two to three seconds on the way up. Pause for a second and then repeat. Um, do that for eight to 12 reps, three sets. The next exercise, exercise, excuse me, the next exercise is an incline fly. Here, focus on the stretch. I want you to really challenge the stretch. Don't go too far, of course, uh, make sure you're safe. But focus on the stretch of the chest on the fly. And when you come up to the top, go ahead and squeeze your pecs, but there's not a lot of resistance at the top. So go right back down to the stretch. Again, taking four seconds on the way down. Eight to 12 reps for three sets. And then the final exercise is a cable fly. You could do a pec deck if you want. Um, But really the key here is to focus on the squeeze. 
So what I want you to do with the fly, with the cable is, do your three-second, four-second negative, bring them together, but pause when the handles are together and crush and squeeze your chest for a good two-second hold. Really focus on that squeeze. You'll get a really, really good pump with this. Same thing with that exercise, three sets, eight to 12 repetitions. So since Sal put a little bit of emphasis on the incline, I'm going to do the reverse and put a little emphasis on the decline. And I'm going to start off, though, with the dumbbell flat bench press. So I'd start off with a dumbbell flat bench press. Uh, we're going to go a little bit heavier load here. So we're going to be doing five by fives, which we're going to do five sets, five reps uh, of each one of these exercises. So the first thing is the dumbbell fat flat bench press. Again, a lot of emphasis on making sure that we retract the shoulders, keep them depressed. All of these uh, workouts, Sal's, mine, and Justin's, I highly recommend priming before you get involved, get do right, any of point. them. So that would be ideal for each one of these workouts would be to make sure you prime, do some of the exercises, either do the seated row, band, pull apart, something to wake up all those upper back muscles to help keep you in that retracted position. Uh, the second movement that I would do, I'd do dips. Same thing again, five by five. Now, some people can rep out 10, 15 plus reps uh, for body weight dips. So if you can do 10, 15 reps, this is where you would load that. So either hook a dumbbell between your legs or if you've got one of the belts with a chain that you can wrap around some plates or a dumbbell, uh, load it to where you know five is, is, is challenging for you to do. But again, you should still have two in the tank. So you should be able to land at seven, but you're stopping right at so five. This is five sets, five reps. Right. And then the last one, we'll do a uh, decline dumbbell, or excuse me, decline cable fly because we're going to focus more on decline because Sal went on the incline direction. And that would just be used like a free motion machine or use your cables. And that's where you use the cables starting up high and then you go down. So we go up from the, from the top down. And this is something that I would normally do like probably 10 to 15 reps. But since Sal's already had an 8 to 12, and I know Justin's got 12 to 15 reps, it doesn't hurt to do these for five reps either. And I would say with the because you're using <clears throat> cables here, just go slow. Yeah. You don't have to max out on the weight, but make them real slow so you right. do less reps. So mine's pretty fun, I'm going to be honest. Uh, it's more funner. Yeah, it's more funner than your guys. Um, <clears throat> so the, we're starting out with the plyo push-ups. And the reason I'm doing this is is it's somewhat like what you get from post-activation potentiation. So this is a fancy word for just being able to get you hyper responsive by applying like, uh, you know, something that, that's going to require like a power output. So uh, you can do this either on the ground or you can do this with an elevated bench if that's too difficult. But, you know, the, the key is to have instant access to uh, to, to high amount of force output. So, so this is where you do a push-up and you essentially jump off the floor jump or jump off, off of a bench right? or whatever. Yeah, you can clap and you see people doing all kinds of variations of this. And did we do a YouTube it. video on this? Well, I'm pretty sure we have. I think we did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah pretty sure we have. So then, um, and, and FYI for this, I have 12 to 15 reps on most of these. This is one of those I would make an exception of like 10 or maybe even less reps if it's if you get fatigued pretty quickly with that uh it's going to degrade and so that would be something where i would hold you know maybe go a little bit lower reps justin uh, would you say once you're you can't jump off the floor anymore and the set stop yeah yeah it's it's going to yeah. lose now it's it, just a push lose up. its effect right mm -hmm. so now we're going to jump into our our fully stabilized uh bench press and so this is just like your regular flat barbell bench press and so now we're going to use that uh, stretched capacity for force so basically you've just charged the battery and now i'm going to apply uh with with a more substantial amount of load for 12 to 15 reps so 
obviously not like trying to max out, but definitely something that you can do with two reps in the chamber there. And then we're going to get into after that, I'm going to put you in a little more unstable environment. So uh, after a little bit of fatigue, now we need to really make sure we control uh, your body. And, and this is really going to train that, 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 that part of the process where I'm trying to hold and sustain my body in good position. And I'm going to, I'm going to slowly bring one arm down into fly and then stabilize my hips and everything from rotating. So there's a lot more to be conscious of, uh, to maintain control and balance. So this is a, this is a dumbbell fly on a, a physio ball. ball. Yeah. And you're doing one arm at a time, which I love this. Yes. So, so one arm is staying up in the middle. The other arm is coming out and doing the fly. And couple keys when I couple keys when I cue this and I teach this. One of those is to make sure you're driving the hips up. Yes, because it's all, uh, common when people try to do this exercise that their hips sag. So keep the glutes engaged. So you're squeezing your butt. Your hips are also through. The second thing or cue is start off with a really wide stance. It gives you a lot more stability that way. And the more advanced you become, the more you bring your feet in. Those that are got incredible. Uh, core strength and stability can actually bring their feet together and do this movement that Justin's talking about. Really challenging to do that, but that's kind of a fun exercise to the challenge and progress as you as you get better and more stable. Totally. There so, quick review: uh, if you were to work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so these are one workout on each day. Day one, every exercise is three sets, eight to twelve reps. The first exercise, in- incline barbell press. Second one, incline fly. Third one, cable fly. Wednesday is everything is five sets of five reps. First exercise dumbbell flat bench press. Second exercise dips. Third exercise decline cable flies. And the third workout, which would be on Friday, this is plyo pushups. All these are, by the way, the third workout is three sets, uh, twelve to fifteen reps. First exercise plyo pushups. Second exercise barbell bench press. And third exercise stability ball alternating dumbbell fly. By the way, if you want more information. If you go to mindpumpfree.com, there's a a chest development guide. Now, in this guide, I talk about sets and reps and frequency, and they give you more information, more more than there is in this podcast. So if you really want a full breadth of information on how you train your chest, how you can get your chest to develop nicely, I suggest, of course, listen to this podcast a couple times, write the workout down. Go to mindpumpfree.com and download the chest development guide so you have everything you need to have a great chest workout. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.